Tom Kearney on to his right foot and he cracks it home. Brilliant finish from Harrison Reed. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. And we are back again. And what a time it is to be a Fulham fan off the back of two 5-0 wins going into game against a strong Newcastle team who are in a terrible patch of form at the moment. It could be three in a row for Fulham. Here to talk it all over, we have Elton. How are we going, Dad? Oh, very good, son. Uh, evening, both of you. And... Uh... Hello to everyone who's uh, tuned in. It's very lovely. Formal. Thank you very much. I know. I was hoping I know. to Jack, son. But, yep, I'll take it. Um, Sammy, how are we going tonight? I'm going good. I'm going good. Uh, I don't have too much to report. I had a tickle in my throat, and now I have worked past it. So I'm I'm ready for this. I was about to move us forward very quickly once he said good and just go, right, that's enough. Uh, but well, well done on surviving your tickle, Sammy. Um, well, let's get straight into it, guys. And obviously I wasn't with us earlier in the week to uh, discuss the West Ham game, so we'll very briefly touch on it. Uh, and I mean briefly. Obviously uh, an amazing win, back-to-back 5-0 wins, first time Fulham have ever done that in the Premier League. Um, I, I hit up our friend on Twitter, random Fulham stuff, to see if he could find a time when Fulham have ever done that in the top division, going back all the way to uh, the start of when records were first kept, and he couldn't find an instance of it either. So it it really is a a very purple patch for this team at the moment. And Sam and Dad, um, Dad, I'll throw to you first, I guess. Do you feel like um, there's a bit of luck involved, or do you think everything's just clicking at the moment? No, I don't think there's luck. I think think we've been incredibly... Persistent. I, I'm struggling to get past the or uh, Stevie Wonder uh, shades you've got on there, Sam. They're really putting me off. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you were meant I, to completely ignore them, so it made it look even more ridiculous. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I failed. Um, I think this is a case of persistence when we had little other choice, and it's kind of one we've we've won through and prevailed. It's a, it, yes, it's. We've prevailed. Um, Jimenez has prevailed. What I love about it is that Jimenez's turn in form has truly sparked a number of other people. I think I think Tosin's introduction is timely. Um, he's been terrific. Obviously, Bassey moving onto the left has released him. Robinson's return of form. Uh, sorry, Robinson's return after the uh, international break has been fantastic. Um, <clears throat> and I think I think everyone's feeling a bit inspired. And as you said the other night, there's fun in the camp. And what could be better than um, than that from a from a Fulham fan perspective? It's it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's very positive, it's happy. And if there were any sort of troubles and I don't know, kind of downbeat mood at the end of uh, the, the the last transfer window. I think I think that's that's past us or behind us. We've gone over the bridge of troubled water, and um, we are we could have just said that. You could have, you could have, but you know what? Leave the poetry to Sam. Um, uh, no, <laughs> um, no, it's just I mean, just just revel in the happiness. I mean, 
it's just it's just such a lovely lovely harmonious period right now and yeah it probably won't last like all good things but you know what i'm just i'm just gonna bask in the sun and jack's on mute is jack still on mute dad i really wasn't um (laughs) what i was gonna say is it's i wouldn't get too downbeat about it saying it's it's not gonna last because the way we're playing at the moment it really seems like you know even if we potentially come up against very high quality opponents we have it in us to actually dominate them or or at least give them a really good game you know this is a west ham side that is is a european current european champions um they're doing fairly well in the league when we played them they were six points ahead of us and had a really good start to the season as well they're doing well in europe they don't have a huge number of injuries that are causing issues for them and the team that we played against is basically the team that played um, played in Europe last season and, and won a trophy. So it, it's not to say that we can't continue to challenge. And I think this weekend is going to be a really good example of that when we come up against a Newcastle side who, you know, the last couple of years since their takeover have, you know, absolutely skyrocketed, signed mm. some really good players. We saw it when we played them at the Cottage last year and we got completely turned over. Um uh, outdone by some really good goals, outdone by some really good play, but it does feel like a different beast at the moment. Um, we're obviously podcasting the day after they've been knocked out of the Champions League and Europe in total as well, which is a, a big blow for Newcastle. Um, Dad, you had a quick look at the game. Your your thoughts on how Newcastle were playing and um, if if there's maybe something that we can exploit there? Oh, look, to be fair, I watched three minutes of highlights and we all know that that doesn't tell a story. Um, and from what you were discussing offline before we kicked off, you were saying that apparently um, they were busy and exciting early on and once once um, AC equalised, uh, I don't know if they dropped their bundle or AC just overran them, um, Look, the highlights from the highlights package, they they actually had a couple of pretty tasty attempts on goal and the AC's goalkeeper looked amazing and was denying them. Um, and, and there was one opportunity that Alvarez had just to tap the ball in. It was a miraculous foot that just crept in front of him in slow motion. He was literally oh, like a half a metre out from goal. And he just couldn't execute. And the guy just cleared it off the line wide of wide of the post. So, um, you know, I, I guess I'm just thinking about this in terms of coming into that game. Um, they've been battered about a bit in terms of form, suspensions, injuries, and a midweek game with two or three sleeps to catch up. Um, it's a good time. To get them, the only thing that could be better is actually playing them um, in London at the cottage, because it's not an easy place to go. No. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think this we 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 couldn't be in a better position to give them a real cracking. I still think they're a really awesome side. I mean, ob- objectively, man for man, in a lot of categories, of they are they're pretty, pretty excellent. I think they're just really suffering from just being really, really tired. Um, they uh, have um, uh, 
far exerted themselves um, and they're really, really ahead of schedule in terms of like what they should be achieving with regards to the amount of money that's actually been put into them. And I think they have kind of suffered from their, it's not even necessarily like a lack of depth, but they've just essentially played the same squad for the majority of this season. And this like five game stretch that they've played, they've pretty much played the exact same squad. And I do kind of think that, AC Milan was pretty much the last straw. And that puts us in a real tasty position. Not going to lie. I would really, really like to beat Newcastle. I've been waiting for this for quite a while now. Yeah, look, like you both said, this Newcastle team is is very stable. But at the same time, when you have the European adventure going on, mm. it, it causes a bit of an issue when you don't actually have the squad depth and when you have a lot of injuries in the squad as well. Um Looking forward to the game on the weekend. Um, Kieran Trippier is out suspended as well. Um, there, there'll be a few players coming back. We saw Dan Byrne make an appearance, Harvey Barnes as well. Um, Longstaff, I think, had been out injured. He made an appearance off the bench. So there are a few players coming back for Newcastle, but it just feels like they're thin on the ground and the players who are in that starting lineup at the moment are just knackered. Um, the, the stat I think was that in the Premier League, they went unchanged for five games straight, which sort of seems like a good thing. But when you've got Champions League games in every midweek on top of that, and much. all of those players going off for international duty and playing as well, it, it's it's a very, very big task to maintain a fully fit squad and to get the best out of those players. Because as we've seen in the last few games where they got overrun by Spurs, they got overrun by Everton, They've been overrun by AC Milan. First half, they play well. I think if we can keep ourselves in the game in the first half, the second half is where we'll win the game. Mm. Um, it's when the tired legs come. It's when players like Robinson, Willian, Harry Wilson, are players with that little burst of speed and that ability to just have a quick break, those guys are going to come into the game and actually be game changers for us. It isn't it amazing? I mean, we 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 just chinwag about this stuff all the time, over and over. But however elite and incredible the top four, five, six clubs are in terms of their squad, it's just it doesn't take that much to break your form and for it to kind of come all unstuck. Because in the end, to to really be a very high achieving squad it has to be clockwork doesn't it it really has to be clockwork and yeah, you absolutely. lose a couple of players e even though the the player you've got depth the player coming in uh who replaces an injured or suspended player uh is a high high quality player but he's just not the same combination and suddenly you look at it on paper and think geez that's a formidable team they are unbreakable but it just doesn't work like that. And it does come down to, to um, you know, it, it's almost imperceptible, the, the, the kind of stuff that makes a great team elite. Well, it's, I, yeah, you know, there's very, yeah. I was just going to say, there's very um, current situations that are similar to that that we see. You look at Man United's, yeah. Without Casemiro and Ericsson, for example, yeah. um, they are a, a atrocious team. They can't make anything work at the moment. 
even Man City, without De Bruyne and Rodri playing, they struggle big time. They're not creating the chances, and you have this beast up front in Haaland who scores more than a goal a game on average. Uh, you take De Bruyne away and, and you take his service away, even though you've got these amazing players like Phil Foden out wide and some of this young talent that they've got coming through, they still can't manage to score goals. So it, it really is, it, it shows how much, even at the top level, one player can actually make a change. Um, mm. And and with Newcastle, it's multiple players. And th- that's sort of where we're able to step in and, and make a difference. Kieran Trippier, for example, is a huge loss for them. He's mm. not injured, but the fact that he's out, I, I saw a stat, I think I sent it through to you guys as well. I might not have. It was from the other 14. Um, and Kieran Trippier has created the most chances from non-set pieces of any player in the Premier League this season. Yeah, he's been excellent. So he is the person who's setting up their, the goals, the chances for Isak and Callum Wilson up front. He Having him out is making a huge difference to that lineup, and um, you're going to see probably a young player coming in to replace him. Uh, I think this is a real opportunity for us to cause a massive upset against this Newcastle side. Um, mm. Sammy, I don't know how much you've been following Newcastle through the season, but... Um, in terms of the players who are likely to take on, take to the pitch on the weekend, uh, where do you see Newcastle's strengths? Well, I was literally just about to say that, like, I Newcastle is one of those teams for me which I objectively have very little care about. So I'm not following that closely. I know that they're doing well. I know they're um, the context of um, who they are, how they're progressing, and everything. Obviously, I really like Isaac. Um, uh, Callum Wilson's incredibly strong, like Joe Linton, Nick Pope. They have, and yeah, obviously Trippier as well. They have these very, very key players, but I'm not watching them on a weekly basis. So if you ask me how um, Newcastle play, I would not really be able to tell you. Um, uh, I don't know if um, they have as much fun as we do. From everything I've seen in terms of highlights, they seem to be quite rigid. I don't know if that's a reflection of their personality. I think they uh, have a tendency to be very, very clinical, but I think... Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's can, the right word. Yeah, yeah, but I think they can also be pretty easily opened up because they... Um, is it fair to say that they've got quite a Germanic style of play? It's very um, regimented. Um, it's very opportunistic, but... Um, I haven't seen too much flair from them. Uh, this could entirely be my perspective. But you know what? I would very much rather play a uh, tired, regimented squad because then that's when flair can really, really thrive. And full and full of flair, that's that's a tongue twister and a half right now. Ooh, I, reckon, I reckon Alvarez is pretty flary. He is pretty flary, but you know, uh, if you... Almiron, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Alva, Alvarez, oh, is very, sorry. very, sorry, sorry. No, but I think you are right. But one, one, um, uh, individual that's um incredibly vibrant doesn't necessarily make up a squad personality. I think you can genuinely say, like Fulham at the moment is full of je ne sais quoi and full of um creativity, which is awesome, awesome, awesome to to like see and speak very proudly about but um yeah i just i just don't know enough about newcastle 
Yeah, I know that's poor punditry, but that's just the honest truth. I so I you go I go into this game a little bit blind, but I think I thought you know a lot about football. <laughs> I just talk shit. That's just what I do. That's why that's why I'm invited on a weekly basis. Um, but yeah, that's 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 why you have me. You know, they they have a good group of players, I think. Um, but they're probably not performing to the same levels they were last year. And I'd say a lot of that is down to the fact that they've had this injury crisis. I mean, Callum Wilson's had a really good season so far. Uh, so has Isak. They've scored goals up front. That's not an issue for them at the moment. Wilson's got seven from 11. Isak's got seven from 12. Anthony Gordon as well up front has uh, six from 15. He's probably playing more on the wing than as a, an out striker. Um, but if you look at Almiron, who scored quite a few goals last year, he's only got the two goals and the one assist. He's only created two big chances for the whole season. And he he pulled the strings when we played them last time. Mm, um, I remember that. So he he's definitely was someone who was at the top of their game when we played them last time out and is just not hitting that same level. Um, uh, uh, but look, the, the injuries, I think, are probably the more important thing here. The fact that players like Jacob Murphy, who gave us quite a torrid time last time around, He's only played the five games this season through injury. Um, uh, Anthony Gordon apparently went off with a bit of a niggle during the um, AC Milan game. Not sure how serious that is. Callum Wilson's obviously just returning from injury as well. Um, and, and look, it's it's a long season ahead. This is probably a game that I, I know Fulham are in form, but if you were the Newcastle manager and you looked at um, you know your upcoming fixtures for the rest of the season through to Christmas, which is also an incredibly congested period. Mm. You have to be looking at rotating some of these players and actually giving some of these guys a rest. Um, we they play Newcastle play um, us now. They play Luton on the 23rd, Nottingham Forest on the 26th, and then they've got a very, very tough run where they play Liverpool, Man City, and Aston Villa. Um, mm. So they, they, they do have to rotate some players and give people a rest before that, very important little patch of fixtures for them. I, I wonder, it's a shame that we couldn't get Jack from Tune Down Under podcast mm. on um, because he had other prior commitments. But I, I, I'd love to know what the feeling in the stands and in the, in the, in the crowd and in the supporter base is because they've had, you know, it's it's kind of like, I don't know, marrying into a rich family or winning the lottery <laughs> you know um they they've, they've kind of been almost been embarrassed for riches particularly where their money's come from um but they they kind of worked through that and they have got this completely optimistic view of the future and why shouldn't they have because you know they, they haven't even gone out and spent absolute fortunes they've done it in a very no. steady way and the future looks incredibly bright and now they're, they're looking a bit ordinary and their form says that their performances are pretty ordinary and average and i and i wonder i wonder how how what the feeling's like in the fan base it must be a bit weird, isn't it? Because it's so early on. I think Eddie Howe is a good starting point, but in the exact same way that City developed uh, however many years ago before they found Pep, they did have to go through a couple of transitional managers before they found their man. I still think Newcastle are a while away from 
finding that key person. I I have no idea who it is. Um, but I'm I, I you got I mean you got to be optimistic when um, uh, the Saudis buy your team in this sort of way when there's a really clear trajectory. Like I I truly believe that they'll win a Premier League I, probably I, in the next I, three I years. Hate, I really hate to say that and this is possibly sacrilegious to mention on this podcast, but you want it to happen? How, no, can you imagine how much Silver would love that job? Oh no! Literally, the first thing that came into my head when I was saying it, I was like, Jesus, like. He could totally be there, man. That could totally be a thing, and uh, the the idea makes me sick, sick to my mm-hmm. stomach. I didn't, Never I didn't want to entertain it. 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 literally came into my brain, and I was like, "I'm not. I'm just going to. I'm just going to shelf that idea. We're going to shelf that idea for a completely new life." You know, Jack's shaking his head. He's not convinced. Uh, look, I, I think they'd probably be looking at bigger managers than Silver. If you look at the the pot of managers you can take from around the world. And it's not a slight against Marco Silva, but you you have the ability to take the best managers from around the globe. Um, there's five top leagues in Europe. There's good managers in all of those leagues. I'd say Silva is maybe the fortieth best manager in in the world. Maybe. But 50th. you say that. I love the because this is a very Jack response because you, you love to say you say that, but you say that. <laughs> but but look at look at. Ange Postacoglu, uh, he would not be in the top 40 managers in the world. I know it might be easy to say that he would be now, but he certainly wasn't a year ago. And look at the kind of formula, not the formula, but look at what he's done. I think Marco Silva's a bit of a similar character. Uh, I'm saying that's a very different situation when you are the the Saudi group and able to pump in as much money and pay whatever, you, you can pick from the very best of the best. Absolutely Tottenham have had true. to be smart about this and try to change the culture and try to do something. And, and Tottenham tried it. They went, let's bring in Jose Mourinho, potentially the best wow. current manager in the world. It didn't work. So they've gone, right, we need to try something different. It's a different situation. When you've got all the money in the world, like Man City do, you bring in the best manager in the world, Pep Guardiola. Um, I I think, though, I think, though, it was it's probably going to take um, – a couple of managers to get to um, uh, like uh, the Thomas Tuchel's, the uh, Conte's, the the real like elite, elite, we win Champions League level uh, managers. And I could I could see um, Silver being a stepping stone manager in that kind of way, which is so blasphemous to say. And I, 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 but I could definitely see them going for that sort of a manager. In the lead up, because I don't, I don't think they're going to get Thomas Tuchel like as the next manager. I, I feel like that's just like I, I feel well, like, like yeah. you couldn't sell. They have Thomas the money. Tuchel. I know they have they the money, have. but you, you also need to have um, you, you. I feel like with those type of managers, you need to have a bit more assurances than just money. Does that make sense? Anyway, just a little sidebar. I, uh, you it's know, a good sidebar. Interesting thought. I like. I like. I mean, I like the, an interesting thing to say. Uh, you said Man City needed multiple managers before they won the league. Uh, when they got taken over, they had Sven Goran Eriksson. Um, well, he just left, and then Mark Hughes took over. Um, God, he was the manager when the way. takeover happened, uh, mm. and then they and then, brought in Mancini the next season. And Mancini's yeah. the person who won the league for them. So actually, well, they only changed one manager. Well, no, but like that was way before City established the dynasty that they actually did. Like winning the league and starting a decade run 
where you essentially destroy everyone else to two very different things, in my opinion, at least. I mean, I think winning the league is the pinnacle. The The dynasty is nice, but you, uh, Newcastle's aim will be to win the league and you build the dynasty off the back of that. Um, mm. You need the right manager in the first place to get there. Um, a- anyway, nice sidebar, but um, let's have a quick look at the table. Well, actually, no, before we do that, I've got uh, a couple of factoids from our friend uh, at Fulham Random on Twitter, Random Fulham Stuff, who's dug deep into the... Um, Fulham yearbooks and his plethora of information about Fulham random facts. Um, this is from uh, at Fulham Random. Looking at our head-to-head record in the 77 first-class games we've played against each other, we've both won the exact same amount, 31, which means just the 15 draws between the teams. Um, the competition we hate playing Newcastle in is the FA Cup. Newcastle have won all four games with an aggregate score of 20 to four. And all four of our goals came in one game, which we lost 5-4. A um, couple of interesting facts there. And look, Newcastle aren't a team that I personally remember us beating very often. Um, there was a, a great game at St. James's Park years ago where Mark Crossley made a number of saves. And I think we ended up winning that 4-1. Um, but without Crossley, we definitely would have lost that by a much larger margin. Um, I like miscellaneous facts section. Is this is this a new thing that we're doing? Can we, can we keep this up? This is that was fun. I liked that. Well, it was flowing nicely until you stepped in there. But um, yeah, we we've been talking with Fulham Random, um, Random Fulham stuff on Twitter, and I, I hope we'll be able to continue to pull little factoids in. It's um, it's tough to pull them out on request. Um, these are often things that are stumbled upon or. Um, found Chat in the GPT. process of looking for something else interestingly chat gpt is not very good at finding these stats mm-hmm. i have tried um i, well, I know for a fact bing. that chat GPT no, I know is for, basically bing now i know for a fact that um random fulham stuff has a book uh which i actually have two copies of for some reason um that he says the covers are absolutely falling off at the moment and that's what he spends his time leafing through to find these stats these these stats have not been digitized um it's a massive job for someone because there's like 400 pages worth of stats sitting in the back of this book which is the complete fulham history up until the year 2006 um up until 2006 so it's like when the book was published it's 18 years out of date uh, he Jack, keeps spreadsheets for the rest of the stats. All right. Now, okay. Jack, Jack, you have a three-year-old, and very <laughs> soon he could be put to work for modest pocket money, scanning those Digitizing. pages. Yeah. Scanning those pages in into Chat GDP for instant recall for the most amazing analysis and cross-referencing. Um, what I was going to say was, I love that I we mean, start a Patreon for child labor. Hell yeah. <laughs> Um, what I think is interesting about Newcastle, they haven't always been a high-flying club. Massive following, huge religious following in 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 the town, but always um, a fortress. And and what's amazing about teams like this is that they can be having ordinary seasons, whatever league they're playing in, but really difficult to beat at home. Mm, you know yeah so it, it it almost always comes down to how good they are on the road and yeah i mean you go back to 
the Alan Shearer years. I mean, they were they were good through all of those years, really. But it's it's there's certainly this top six business for Newcastle is very very recent stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, you look back in the late nineties or mid to late nineties, and this was a team that just missed out on winning the Premier League under Kevin Keegan. They they were a very good side, but obviously had a massive fall from grace in the uh, 2000s when they got relegated, or 2010s when they got relegated down to the championship um, a couple of times, I think. Um, and, and look, they, they've bounced back. We played them in the championship, which is actually the last time we beat Newcastle. We haven't beaten them in the Premier League since 2012. Um, mm. That was the season um, we, yeah, we beat them in 2012. And we also beat them in the January of 2012, 5-2 as well. But Look, I, I, we haven't beaten them in the um, in our last five fixtures against them. Um, we've had some pretty bad losses, like the one at Craven Cottage. Um, it, it's it's definitely going to be a, a tough game for us, even though Newcastle aren't in the greatest of form at the moment. I, I don't think we can walk into this one expecting to walk away with an easy win by any means. Um, it, it, it is a fortress, like you said, St James's Park. It's a tough place to go and pick up points. Um, for any team, uh, from all accounts, it's one of the most intimidating places to go and actually play football. The fans mm. feel on top of you. Um, they're vocal throughout, and it, it's going to be a tough game for us. But, look, the form we're currently in, uh, we're definitely giving ourselves every possible chance to actually get a win out of this one. Mm. Let's have a quick look at the table here. Fulham now sitting in 10th place. Um, the joyful part here is the fact that our goal difference has now slipped back to zero. Um, we uh, have 26 goals scored, 26 conceded. Uh, obviously helps massively when you have a couple of weeks where you pick up uh, plus 10 uh, or plus 11 to your goal difference. Um, and look, Dad, you, you mentioned it when we were talking earlier this week. The table's tight. If you look below us, there's four teams all on 19 points. So having that little bit of um, a little bit of a boost with your goal difference is really vital at this stage of the season and will be incredibly vital in 22 games time when the season comes to a close. Um, we can see there's now a go on. Sorry. Yeah. It was only a couple of games ago. I mean, literally a month ago where I was really starting to think, how can we lose this pretty ugly goal difference? And who would have dreamed that, in a couple of games, you've literally neutralised it. Um, it's extraordinary, really. I mean, it's oh, a amazing. A month, a month ago, I thought we were in a relegation fight. I was, well, I we was were. fully, <laughs> yeah, I was fully mentally prepared. We were trying to so. talk ourselves out of it, but we actually were. Yeah, yeah. Not no, far I, off it. it was a bleak, bleak time. <laughs> to to and, put it in context, if you have a look at the table that I've got up on the live stream at the moment, we, we have 21 points. So if the last three games we picked up, plus 11 in goal difference, um, or plus 10 in goal difference, and we've picked up nine points. Uh, so that takes us down to uh, 12 points with a minus 11 goal difference, which puts us 17th. Uh, and basically in the same position that Nottingham Forest are in at the moment, who have minus 11 and uh, 14 points. And, it, and on par with Everton, who are going well, and are likely being docked without... 10 points. Yeah. yeah, of course. But I mean... You, if you did a projection and looked at how Everton have been tracking, if we didn't turn a form around, that would have been a massive problem. Ever Everton would have oh, ca yeah. carried on. Mm. 
Yeah, and look, I, I think we can still agree that there is a gap to those bottom teams, and now, excuse me, it's even more obvious because Everton have climbed out of the relegation zone. It kind of fluffed the numbers for a little bit, but we see none of those teams have reached double figures in terms of points yet. Luton on nine, Burley on eight, Sheffield United on eight. Um, and in terms of goal difference, Luton have the best goal difference at minus 15, Sheffield United at almost minus 30. It, it, you just can't really see a way back from there. And I'm just glad we've got that gap over those teams now. We're talking a 12-point gap, same amount of games played. Realistically, do we see Luton, Burnley or Sheffield United? And this is posing a question. Do we see e any of those sides picking up that extra four games advantage that we have over them across the rest of the course of the season. Uh, Considering we have to play Burnley twice, Luton and Sheffield once in that period as well. Did Luton, didn't Luton very recently sack their manager? Have they sacked their manager yet? Or is that, Sheffield am I thinking United. Sheffield United? Luton have had a couple of wins, haven't they? I mean, yeah. Um, I guess what we're trying to really establish here is whether this is a flash in the pan or things have changed and um, things have actually clicked. I, without trying to simply be optimistic because I love Fulham, um, I actually think, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times now and, and tried to analyse why it has happened. It's not simply because one player, Jimenez, is suddenly scoring goals. There are a lot of things that have changed. And so um, I am, am, am struggling to believe that this is a flash. It's, it's, it's actually really difficult to say. I'm glad you actually raised this because we have been incredibly stoked over the past two weeks and the, the pride levels are through the roof right now. I And Newcastle is a real genuine test as to where we're actually at. I mean, even if like we can push them to a draw, I'd still say that's a really, really, really good result, especially, sure. um, especially like, uh, yeah, over there. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I slightly disagree that it's a benchmark of where we're at because this Newcastle team, if they, I don't think you can judge yourselves against them because they're not fully fit. If we get a win against them, I think it's it's almost kind of expected. I mean, I think I, I haven't looked at the the odds for this game, but I wouldn't be overly surprised if um, if both teams are paying sort of roughly the same. Um, I think mm. Fulham are in a great run of form at the moment, and Newcastle are in a bad run of form and have um, a lot of injuries. I'd say more realistically would be to put us up against. A well against the Wolves, which was actually a very good test of where well, we're I think at West Ham. We're both. I think West Ham. Oh, is West good. Ham as well. Yeah, mm. um, Wolves, West Ham. Those teams that are roughly around us in a similar sort of vein of form as well. I think that's probably a good way to judge yourself. I, I'm. I just. I don't know what Newcastle we're going to get. I don't know if yeah. they're going to bounce back really nicely from that. Uh, that loss. You know. You know how it goes. Sometimes you lose in Europe. You have to bounce back, and the best way to do that is in the league against the Fulham team who are on form and you get this really good victory and things fall back into place. Or it's very difficult, very difficult. This to terrible that. run of form continues and you're even more tired in this upcoming game and it falls to pieces even further. Like It's hard to really 
work out which way this one's going to go. Mm. I think I think if if the root of your problems is is simply form, then it's a possibility that good preparation and a great psychological headspace as a team can turn that round. But if yeah. if you're tired, if you've got injuries, and you've got you know players out, a good players out through suspension, um, that's really difficult to turn that round. It's it's a monumental job to turn that round to actually get a bunch of different players, one playing together regularly, and hand them the challenge of actually turning around the form is very very tough. Mm. Um. Just a, a cheeky little best bet for the day. Um, Fulham to win 5-0, paying 200-1. to 1. Uh, It's surely a guarantee. Oh. Three 5-0 results. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, but ge- genuinely, looking at the the odds for this game, Fulham are actually paying $4 to Newcastle, playing $1.80. Um, it's, good, so, it's good odds, I think. It's good odds. Uh, and even a draw is paying $3.90. So... We got to bring back. I love Jack. the way Jack sneaking that segment back in. I love <laughs> Jack. I, 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 I love. Responsibly. I love Jack Tom's bet. I don't know why we got rid of it. I always gamble, I, it used gamble to crack me up every single gamble time. Gamble responsibly. Gamble responsibly. Um, so no, but 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 seriously, <laughs> it it. I mean, it is a good bet. But seriously, though, um, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's an important chest. game. Uh, gamble responsibly. It's an important game for us because a win here. Uh, we'll probably see us leapfrog West Ham. I would have thought West Ham. Let me just Surely. have a double check who, who they're who they're playing this weekend. But in terms of our goal difference, we we have a massive. I think West Ham are playing game. Wolves. I they do play Wolves play. on on Sunday night. Good knowledge. Well done. Um, mm. uh, you know, uh, realistically, uh, I'd see that game sort of probably being a draw at this stage. Wolves could win that, but. I think West Ham are probably as I, I, good as I would say slightly better. I, I reckon Wolves can beat West Ham. I reckon, yeah, Wolves I just yeah. they're just not consistent enough for me at the moment. They they've got some great players, some real talent, but I don't know what it is. They can't string together results, uh, which is why they're sitting in thirteenth and not seventh. Um, but either way, it's it's another game where we can potentially pull further away, um, and, and it's an important one too. Look, we've got. Brentford below us, they play Aston Villa, so you'd expect them to probably lose that game. Chelsea are in shocking form at the moment, but they do play Sheffield United, so you expect Mm. them to pick up points. Bournemouth are in a really good run of form at the moment. They play Luton, so you expect them to probably win that game. And like you said, Wolves, you could see beating West Ham. So, I mean, I'm not saying we're going to get dragged into a relegation dogfight here, but... Not the worst round for us. Well, it's a... There's the possibility that we do drop all the way down to 14th after this game. Not the end of the world, but it is nice to be in the top half and to keep winning games. And look, a, a little run of form here and some bad results for Newcastle, Brighton, Man United. We all of a sudden start to actually look at those European spots. We move to 24 points. Um, Newcastle stay on 26. Brighton are playing Arsenal this weekend. They stay on 26. Um, Man United have to play Liverpool on Monday. They stay on 27. We're one win away from sixth place, effectively. Like, it is it's, – it's so tight in that little midsection at the moment. These points are actually kind of vital for us. Um, yeah. So, look, it's, it's, it's a big game, I think. Um, let's have a quick chat about the lineup we'd like to see. Um, firstly, I guess, just in general – are we hoping to see any changes or do we expect Silver to go with an unchanged lineup for the third game running? 
I mean, I mean, can you really change not just a winning side, but a side who's putting five goals past reasonable oppos- opposition? Um, the only, only point of, uh, yeah, I know, I know, but the only um, big question for me, I think, you know, we were we were tossing about trying to understand what the best starting eleven for our wingers might be. At what point does Kenny Tete um, overhaul Castagna as a starter? That's actually a really interesting question because it is starting to get to the point where Silva is favouring Castagna for some games and Tete for others. Even though I, like, I think we all agree that we kind of prefer Tete as the out-and-out starter. I do think Silva has a little bit of a different idea and uh, he's kind of playing like structuring the squad with a little bit more fluidity in terms in terms of wings i mean you could you I mean, you're kind of spoiled for choice at the moment aren't you 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 either start harry wilson or william i think that that's probably yeah. the most contentious mm, well i think i think Wobi is, is surely an absolute you know well done oh, shoe in at the moment yeah, but he can kind of go anywhere, so it doesn't. No, no, yeah. no. But he's he's proven to be um, the difference, I think, in the last month being put out on the right. Mm. So I th- I cannot see that changing, and and then you've got options as to who starts, whether William starts. You know, I know Jack for a long time has had a view that William's probably better when the game is stretched and he's not, you know, challenged for legs and and uh, aerobic fitness or whatever it is, just speed, leg speed. But um, Harry Wilson in good form. Jeez, he looks good coming off the bench at the moment. He's straight into it, isn't he? I And I look, I, I am in a massive favour for players coming off the bench and having a utility role. I like I, I don't know why that's seen as like blasphemous. The game has completely changed in like the past, even the past like seven years, I reckon, where um, uh, having a revolving squad um, in a full 90 minutes is actually a very, very healthy contingent. So I don't think it's a diss to, um, to not necessarily start um, a player like Harry Wilson as long as he gets time and is played effectively. But I understand if people potentially agree with that as well. Surely one of the biggest shifts in everyone's head at the moment is is the fact that how can how can you leave TC out of the starting lineup? He's he's he he's made all the difference as well. Every, yeah. You know, we, we uh, Reed Polinia was such a lock last year, and everyone loved that. But TC has been instrumental. Yeah, I think I think as well. Like we're we're valuing creativity more so than mm-hmm. um, disruption. Uh, so yeah, I I, I think I think. I think Tom Kearney and Polina stayed. Jack? I well, I mean, Polina obviously stayed. I'll, I'll track all the way back to the original comment, which was uh, about Castagna over Tete. I don't think Silva favours Castagna. We, no, we've got to remember so. Kenny Tete is, well, that's what you said. You've got to remember Kenny Tete is coming back from injury. And I think when you don't have to force Tete back onto the field as quickly as we might have done in previous seasons, you have the ability to actually keep him on the bench for longer and just slowly reintroduce him into the side. 
I think he once he's that. fully fit, but he's uh, he's obviously not fully fit yet. Once I don't he think is he's obviously fit. not. So that no, so that means, but hang on. So that means we're thinking his eighty minutes against Liverpool was not entirely successful from a rehab perspective. That so, so that was a a bit of a setback because because if that was true that he was actually being managed back in, you would give him, you know. One a half, um, or maybe bring him on in the fiftieth minute. Because I mean, not, it's not. not it's not a friendly. I think I think he started that Liverpool game because he is the best right back at the club. We were playing the team that is currently the top of the Premier League, and so Silver takes a risk in playing your best player against the best team, and he shut down Nunes and um, who else is there? Luis Diaz on the day as well, and completely kept them out of the game. Um, and when he went off, we conceded two goals. Um, I think that was probably a push too far for him to play the 80 minutes, but we kept him on for as long as possible. In the following games, we've played Castagna because potentially we've slightly aggravated the injury and Tete is not 100%. There's no chance it must that Tete is being left on the bench. He's not getting left on the bench with Castagna ahead of him. Castagna has been performing well but he's not been outstanding and he's not been performing well enough to keep Tete out of that side. I don't know if I agree. I think, I think, I think Silva's selecting purely on a game by game basis. No. Purely selecting no. based on what he needs <clears throat> for said game. Look, look, look at what, look at how good Tete was. I mean, that wasn't a, a soft introduction. He just threw him in, started against Liverpool and he was great, but he, he obviously just ran out of steam. Not surprisingly, no match fitness. How many, how many weeks has he been out? I mean, he, he runs out Such of steam when he's fully fit as well. You see, he often gets dragged in the last minutes of games because he looks absolutely knackered. Yeah, yeah um, he does. And, and so to come back from a long layoff and mm. be put into a, a very intense game against Liverpool, uh, I wouldn't surprise me if he was almost ready and we threw him in the deep end, and now we've actually just pushed his rehab back very slightly, so he's not fully ready yet. I wouldn't be he's surprised be. if we saw him on the weekend, um, mm. because this yeah, we, this is the first time we didn't have a midweek game um, for the last couple of weeks to actually give him the ability to have a full week's preparation for this one. Um, mm. In in terms of the other players, I know I've been shouting for Harry Wilson to get a start. I actually think. Well, consider this as a, a posing a question to you both, or, or it's a bit of a rhetorical one, but Newcastle, we know, have lost their legs in the later half of games. Who would you rather actually have come on the wings late in the game? Admittedly, we'd love to have Adama Traore, but he's not quite ready yet. But if, if it's between Wilson or Willian, who's actually going to cause more issues for tired legs? In your opinion. Oh, well, it's probably got to be Wilson, just purely based on um, yeah. uh, his his explosiveness and his acceleration. That's probably the only thing, because you could definitely also make the case for Willian. But I, I prefer it when um, Willian starts and then Wilson comes on later as a bit of an impact. But Harry Wilson, Iwobi is not going to, they're not going to play Iwobi on the left, right? So Iwobi plays on the right. Willian starts on the left. Harry Wilson never plays on the left for us. Just for Wales, not for us. No, no. Um, but what I what I see. Yeah, but then you move is, a Wobi over. That's what we've been doing. Yeah, like, like, Wobi moves over, or Deckard over Reed comes on late, or yeah. something like that. Mm. It's more yeah. about 
Um, because he could start Wilson on the left or could start a Wobi on the left, which he's done before. Um, it's more, I, I, I agree with Sam, and that's the point I was sort of making is I think having Harry Wilson come off the bench in about the 60th minute to just mm. tear a tired Newcastle defence apart makes much more sense than Willian. Willian's quick feet in close, but I'd, I'd keep sure. thinking back to that moment when Wilson just dropped his shoulder and got in behind the defence with that little mm. touch around the defender. It looked, it looked like Messi was playing. It was ridiculous. It's mm. not something you expect to see from Fulham very often. And I think if you have someone like that who's jinking in and around defenders and chasing the ball down hard and pressing hard like Wilson does late in a game, I, I see a lot more benefit in him coming off the bench in this one. Um, I also I also think as well where Willian and Wilson actually massively differ is Willian's composure I think is second to none and even if he isn't as pacey and if he doesn't have if he's not the player that he was uh, ten years ago I don't actually think it necessarily matters too much because he will never be rattled by anything he will always just play like Willian does I do think Harry Wilson can get quite rattled if in the first 15 minutes of the game he feels like he's not playing the game that he wants to play and I think he does actually benefit from playing around a squad which is significantly tight and more tired because I think he's a player that needs more time than the average one are we happy with uh, Pereira at the moment um Oh, that's a good question. That's a good uh, question. It was easily his best game of the season so far mm-hmm. against um, West Ham. And I, I also think Tom Kearney has to start as well. Um, yeah. yep. I I just think I, I, the only change I would make is um, Tete over Castagna if he's fit. In terms of the midfield, I just wouldn't make sure. any changes. To I think it's going so perfectly. We haven't even talked about defenders yet, so we're we're just gung ho. It's Tosin and um, Bassi now. Have we, have we fully is. made up our mind? It hundred percent is. Well, I know you and I think that way because we like we we talked about it on Tuesday, Jack. What do you reckon? You're on mute, Jack. Sorry, I, I think only an idiot thinks otherwise. Um, oh, I don't it, think it's... that's fair. I don't think that's fair. You can definitely you can kind of make a case. Well, I think it's tough. I don't think. You... Love you, love you, Tim. But you're not, um, you're not squeezing back here easily. You, you used to be able to make a case that Tim Ream adds a lot with his leadership, but from what I've seen in the last couple of games from those two together, I just can't see a way back in for Tim Ream. Um, and, and nothing against Tim Ream. It's it's more the fact that the other two players in Bastian and Tosin are performing out of their skin at the moment. You know, Tosin scoring goals. Um, I don't know if you, you saw the highlights, and it's great that we actually are highlighting two defenders in little highlights packages, but the, those two cut out every single pass. They stopped attacks. They they just dominated the game, and we haven't really seen that with Tim Ream this season. Last season we did, where Tim Ream was absolutely everywhere. We haven't seen that this year. But when Tosin and Bassi were playing together, we saw it and it, it was kind of exciting because you've got these two rocks at the back and then you've got Castagna and Robinson who are creating stuff going forward and also tracking back perfectly. You've got Polina sitting in front of them as this defensive enforcer. I think he made eight tackles in the game against West Ham, which was a record for the Premier League this season. Kearney playing like he's 24 again and not in his 30s. It, it just... Everything is clicking at the moment. And at the start of the season for the first 
12, 13 games, we were constantly saying it's just not clicking. Do you reckon um, when uh, Diop's fit again and um, Reem gets his best buddy back, do you reckon that could potentially displace the uh, the young boys and the old guard might have a chance to come back in, or do you reckon they're just done? No, um, this is on form. So. On form, this is our, you know, I, this is the A team, I think. Oh, so definitive. Uh, it, it's very um, Sunday league and community sport to have your your position and it's your position and when you come back from injury, you just get it back. Um, I think only the very top, top players in the world have the ability to reserve their spot. Um, I mean, that was me the, and indoor. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's what happens when you've only got five people um, and you've got no subs. Um, when you start but, a legacy. What you need to do. No, no. What you need to do is sponsor the shirt, Sam. That's anyway. It's, it's literally owning the PA. Yeah. <laughs> owning the ball and owning the shirts. Then you get a game every single week. Um, but look, I, I think it's interesting. Steve Reynolds on the live stream also mentions Tosin is yet to sign a new contract. And mm. I think that is the only thing that might play into it. If we can't come to an agreement with Tosin over what's happening <clears throat> next season, then there's the potential for a change there. Um, I don't sure. think the change will be Tim Ream coming back in. I think it'll be Diop playing um, on the right because I think it's it's blaringly obvious that Bassey can't play as well on the right as he can on the left and playing two left-sided defenders together again it's one of the reasons it wasn't quite clicking and so i I expect we'll see we'll see a change um at some point if but only if tosin doesn't sign a new contract if he does sign a new contract uh, i see tosin and bassey for the foreseeable future and look uh, harsh harsh to say but with someone like defugerols coming through um, we could potentially not see much more of Tim Ream going forward because um, these two are, are very talented players and Diop is probably, at this stage, your next best central defender. So it's Tosin it's an really interesting little... He can't play on the left, though. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it's it, But, yeah, it's an interesting little little position we find ourselves in with the defenders. Um one thing I do want to talk about um, is a couple of bits of news actually that have popped up this week. Um, the first of them is the fact that Tom Kearney brought up his 300th game um, in the game against West Ham. I'm not sure if you guys mentioned that on the podcast earlier in no, the week. No, we didn't. We did not. Um, but just, I, I don't know if you guys saw the video that Fulham put out as well for Tom Kearney. Um, it was a bit of a tear jerker um, looking back over Kearney's eight and a half years at the club. And um, I mean, we we see at halftime in these games forever Fulham presentations. Tom Kearney's surely one of those guys who, as soon as he leaves the club, um, at some point in the hopefully distant future, he's instantly on the forever Fulham list and and gets recognised as a club icon because there's not many people in football across the whole of England, especially in the top leagues, who stay with one club for three hundred plus games, and yeah. Tom Kearney's one of them. I heard yeah. uh, the Hammersmith end is going to be renamed. I don't think that's I've... true, but <laughs> I just thought I'd float that out there. <clears throat> Clip that sure, someone. Why not give um, it to him. Give it to him. We love Tom. 
clip that. Um, uh, yeah, look, he's <laughs> he's a legend of the club. Um, he's been Fulham's captain for a long time. He scored the goal that got us promoted back to the Premier League after our absence. Um, but guys, uh, this Tom Kenny recently as well has just come to the fore as as this superb playmaker. And look, I, I genuinely think he's one of the best midfielders in the Premier League on his day. I think his creativity from deep is just unreal. Sammy, um, your thoughts on on Tom Kearney? Oh, look, I mean, so creative. Genuinely, I mean, the word underrated gets thrown around a lot. Obviously, he's not um, underrated by us because he's just given us so much over the years. But definitely underrated by the wide, um, uh, the wider media. And you know, I, I've I've been listening to. Um, a couple of uh, like uh, like Gary Lineker's podcast, and even even um, then it, they've been uh, singing his praises recently, and it's it's actually just really nice to see that um, he's not going out with like a whimper, or not even necessarily going out, but he is still getting credibility and recognition so late in his uh, time with the club. It's just nice. It's, it's it's it actually comes at a really really lovely point as well in just uh it uh, oh, history I don't know if you can even call it that but like it, it it's it's at a really lovely point that he is getting this recognition when we're also on a high and it, he gets the full spotlight because I think he genuinely deserves it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, Sammy. It's um, it's obviously just great the fact that. You know these these players can sometimes pass a milestone and they, it just sort of slips by. But the fact is, not just Fulham have turned a corner recently, but Tom Kearney's turned a corner as well. Look at it last season; he came on as a substitute, I think, thirty times. Um, yeah, which is just crazy. And the the fact is, this season he does come on as a sub fairly often, but he's actually getting more starts, and we're starting to see a system in which he fits into quite nicely because previously. You know, you've said it before, Sammy, he can't see out 90 minutes. Um, he potentially is a bit too lightweight. The, these things have been thrown around, and he's actually just proving people wrong at this point. Um, mm. So, look, it's it's great. Dad, thoughts on Tom Kearney? Uh, lots of thoughts on Tom Kearney. I, I, I marvel at um, his riz, as they uh, say in the burbs. Um, he, he's actually... No, no, he's he's got a remarkable kind of ability to uh, get the fans on side, hasn't he? I mean, he's okay. He's a good player. He's a very, very good player, um, but he's just so immensely popular. He's you know, charming. And, yeah, yeah. He and just, uh, he's, a, he's a great bloke. Yeah, and and I Tim Tim Ream's got a sort of a different flavour. Tim's. Just an incredibly decent bloke, and you know, he's a great guy, he's a wonderful representative of the club out in the community, and all that sort of good good stuff. Um, but Tom Kearney, fractionally cheeky chappy, I think he's quite a laugh around the training ground and in the in the in the rooms. And I think he's the fans see that, and uh, that's the sort of guy you want to be in the engine room, uh, keeping spirits up, isn't it? It's just, it's just a good, a good sort. I think, I think Tom Kearney for me is like the head boy that you don't hate. 
because there isn't mm-hmm. really anything about him that you think you you're annoying and you're getting all these kind of you've got like a shit eating grin and all that Nah, it's he's the guy that's like you're the man and everyone goes yeah you are and you know what i'm behind you mm. yeah sure Good point um Interesting point from Steve Reynolds as well. I, we talk about Kenny being underrated. I think that's a, a good way to phrase it. The fact is he's only somehow picked up two caps for a pretty poor Scotland team over the last 10 years or so. Um, mm. It is, uh, for me, very disappointing that he can't break into that squad considering um, you know it's not the strongest international squad out there and he's consistently performed mm. at a high level for a very long time. Um, so look, I, I do actually hope that Kenny gets a few more international appearances because genuinely think he deserves it. Um, now, one thing that I haven't got a slide for on our live stream, but a bit of recent news, which I hope you both saw, Burnt Leno signing a contract extension. Yeah. I did see that. That's um, So that now so takes stoked. him through to, I think it's 2027, um, which will see him be 36 years old from, from memory. Um it's a, a, a decent little pay rise for him as well, but um, it takes him through to 2027 plus an option to extend for a further year as well. Um, so, did, look, a, did, a they really... actually, did they quote his uh, salary increase? I, I've seen Fulham fan news on Twitter saying that he's picked up a three million pound per year increase. Um, okay. So, just working that out off the top of my head. So what was it? Was calculator um, he, he, is an extra six, 60, 60 grand a week, isn't it? No. Yeah, sixty grand a week extra. Yeah. So what? So I thought he was on. I thought him. he was on pushing a hundred grand. He. I don't think he was. Um, Jimenez is on a hundred, from what I understand. I, I reckon it? he's it probably every, been bumped up to a hundred. Um, I, I reckon he was probably on about forty before. Um, mm. And he's probably pushed up, or maybe fifty, and he's probably pushed up to a hundred. Surely um, he wouldn't have come from Arsenal for forty or fifty. Surely keepers not. don't get paid big, big bucks. That's the the one thing, especially if you're not you're not the German international starting keeper, and you were kind of a bit of a squad keeper for Arsenal as well. Um, he he, would, I'm pretty sure he took a, a pay cut to join Fulham. Um, yeah, and, and we don't Did have you- a huge number of players on that those big numbers. Did you speaking of? Uh, I saw a little article summarizing the top English players, top earners, English players. Did you see that? No, recently? fill me in. What's, what, uh, what's, what's the sitch? Well, who do you, who do you think mean, the top top earner is right uh, now? Well, what, probably English Holland. Yep, no, English player, as in like playing in the Premier League or as in from Rashford. Rashford? I, yeah, uh, Holland's got to be there. Um, oh, no, no, English, English player in City, England. No. Sam, English. They, they are from England, Sam. <laughs> I asked that question before and Dad was like, yeah, no, playing in England. No, no. no I said English. playing English player, playing worldwide. Henderson. Oh, oh, oh yeah, uh, well, yeah, Henderson. That's not Grealish? surprising. Six, 600 odd thousand pounds a week, which oh, you, yeah, can, but you can Saudi. double. That's yeah, Saudi. You, like, can, you, you, can, almost... you can double that. It's tax-free. Yeah, but and still then... doesn't count. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry, I'd be counting every one of those. I am filthy, dedu- filthy pounds. Saudi money. <laughs> blood, blood Saudi money. money. That's like that's like <laughs> no, no, Sims okay. money. Right, that's like putting a, a hack on the Sims and just getting like huh? Huh? get over yourselves. Uh, Bellingham was definitely up there. Uh, actually, I think second place went to uh, Harry Kane, 
who was about yeah. 400, Checks out. 400 and something thousand pounds. Rashford, uh, Bowden. Grealish? Uh, yeah, Grealish. He's, he's around 300,000 from memory. And I think Rashford's around 300,000 as well. Oh, mate. Rashford's mugging man you at the moment. Um, and anyway, anyway, yeah, off to that massively off topic. Um, Burnt Leno, new contract, huge, huge one, and it came out of the blue as well. But it's good to see that Fulham are considering these things and starting to tie down players. And maybe it's because there was a little bit of interest with the January window coming up. Maybe Fulham went, we, we need to tie down these players at the moment. And look, Burnt Leno, I think last season, you could say more so than this season, he was integral to the fact that we had such a good finish to the year. Um, oh, yeah. If you looked at the XG, the, that, that conversation isn't happening this year. Last year, it was constantly Fulham massive out, massively outperforming the stats, and it was purely down to Burnt Leno, realistically. He made some ridiculous saves that he shouldn't have done that kept us in games and won us points. Um, this year, I think we're actually just playing better than we have done previously. And Leno isn't required quite as much. When he is required, he's been great. He's off the back of two clean sheets. It just it smacks of a really good piece of business, tying down a really key cog that keeps this team functioning perfectly and running really well. Um, anything to add to that, guys? It just it feels like a good piece of business to me. I mean, Leno, Polina, who else? Who else is there? Um, probably Tim Ream and probably Tom Kearney as well. Uh, just throw all the money at the world of them. I just want to. I just want to keep them for as long as I possibly can. And I, I, I don't. I don't care. I don't care what the tax offset is. Just, just keep throwing money at those boys. Love them to pieces. Well, I think. I think William's earning a packet as well. Yeah, and you know what? He deserves it. Also, love him as well. Yeah, anyway, a really good signing, I think. Not a signing as such, but um, with January around the corner, it's it's going to be interesting to see what moves we make at this point. Um, does Polina leave? Does Polina stay? Do we still need to sign a striker? I think these are things we can discuss as we get closer to January, and I hope we will in a bit more depth. But um, considering the form... Sure you we will get to January. Uh, considering the form we're in at the moment, um, a lot of the questions feel like they're being answered. I mean, you... You could argue that the team we've got at the moment is good enough to finish very comfortably in the top half. It's now about please, how please, the club don't goes. Say that. Don't say that with an earshot of Tony, please. No, but you know, it, it is it is all about how the club um, responds to this. Do they say we're fine where we are, or do they say we really do need to sign players in January? January is a tough period to sign players in. Prices are massively inflated um, because they know that you need them more so in January than at the end of the season. Um, the contracts aren't up, contracts aren't expiring. It's it's a weird little time, and you have to be a little bit careful when signing players in January. So it's there's a lot to discuss there, and it'll be very interesting when we get to it as well. Um, guys, before we finish up, I do want to talk quickly about the Fulham women's team as well. Um, they finished off this side of the season – uh, with a 3-2 win against Ebbsfleet United. Ebbsfleet sitting, um, they've they've had a weird little structure of this season where Ebbsfleet, I think, are like four or five games behind Fulham at the moment in terms of the league table, um, but are actually doing very well this season. They've only played eight games. Fulham have played 13, um, but Ebbsfleet only sit 
uh, 14 points behind us, which might seem like much, but when you're um, when you have five games in hand, it's actually you know five wins. So it was a very important game for us to get an, a result in, and we did so very well. Two goals from Sasha Adamson, one from Georgia Heisman, a late goal from Ebbsfleet made it look a little closer than it possibly was. Um, a 3-2 victory actually lifts Fulham to the top of the league going into the Christmas break. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a good result. And obviously, Dartford sitting below us um, have three games in hand on us. But as we've said throughout the season, it's all about getting into that first place and, and letting everyone else chase you and putting pressure on people. Dartford know now that they have to win those games to get back yep. to the top of the league. Yeah but we're actually in that first place at the moment. Um, I, I guess just a very brief recap of the first half of the season. Um, Sophie Manzi with 15 goals and seven assists. Uh, Georgia Heisman with uh, 11 goals and six assists. Sasha Adamson, nine goals, 10 assists. Edie Bruchel, mostly off the bench with eight goals and four assists. Megali Mendes, seven goals, five assists. Guys, we've been fortunate enough to be able to watch the, the full game against Arsenal um, earlier this year, well, earlier this year, about a month or so ago, um, and we see the talent that's in this squad and uh, the fact that these the, this team actually has the ability to potentially take it to the next stage and, and win promotion. Um, based on that game and also the games that um, we've, we've covered and the reports that we've read, uh, for the first half of the season and... Um, Sammy, I'll throw to you first on the spot. Um, who's your player of the first half of the season so far? Who's most impressed you? Oh, oh. Do you know what? I'm reckon. I reckon I'm gonna go Tagli Tagliavili. Tagliavili. I, I I loved I loved her in the Arsenal game. I thought she was incredible, and I I, I think she. Um, we we don't we don't talk uh, enough about her because again it's not as reflective in um the overall statistics that we actually get but the way that she commanded the game i thought i thought she was absolutely fantastic and i could definitely see myself if i was able to watch her um week in win out really 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 um loving her in the exact same way that i love Polina. And in the exact same way that I love um, Reem as well. I really like defenders. I really, really, really like defenders. A, a, a good, a good defender. That that's that's the way to my heart. Very good answer, Sammy. I definitely put um, Ella up there as one of the most impressive players from that full ninety minutes we managed to watch against yeah. Arsenal. And mm. from everything I've read as well um, and followed throughout this season as well, she's having a great season. No, Often takes the captain's armband as well. A, a really impressive player. Um, Dad, same question to you. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think we all agreed that um, our defence against Arsenal was really impressive, really well organised, hard working, and yeah, they they did very very well. I really like what I see in Sasha Adamson. She's a goal scorer. Mm. She's incredibly hard working. She is well, and evidenced by the number of assists, not only goals that she's actually getting um and she just seems like a a, a a handful um you know just very difficult to keep down both on the field and in the bus and um she uh yeah i like her energy uh G georgia heisman is obviously you know 
very, very capable and incredibly hardworking as well. I'm going for the hardworking theme here. I was just going to say, I like um, hearing our justifications. It really says a lot about us individually. Yeah, yeah, for the hardworking. Um, and, yeah, uh, no, you know, not to, um, not to ignore our top goal scorer here, but um, I'm just sort of trying to look behind that. Obviously, she's having a very, very good season, and it's, it, it's nothing better than having a key goal scorer that you can rely on week in, week out. Um, and, and obviously, we've got some real talent in um, goalkeepers as well, because I, I thought both the, the women um, in that Arsenal game were incredible. They did very different jobs uh, in goal. And obviously, Ali Parker got the plaudits, and uh, you know she she uh, she was doing the putting. Uh, and um, I can't remember the name of the other other woman who was in goal. Help me out. Ellie Parker, Libby Stratton. It was Libby Stratton. I thought she was terrific. Actually, I thought she was yeah, really, she really good. Yeah, she had a really good a really good game. And, and look, um, I think across the board, we've got good keepers. Um, and it makes a big difference when you know that you can rotate your keepers in and out effectively mm. um, and not feel like you're at a disadvantage. I, I think that's that's it's a huge, huge help for us um, because you, you just need you want that squad depth, especially at this level where um, you do need to rotate fairly often. Uh, and it, it helps to rotate fairly often. Looking at it, Ellie Parker's played seven of the 15 games so far. Um so the fact is we are rotating our keeper on a fairly regular basis and to know that it doesn't really matter who's in goal, you're going to still be comfortable with that person. It, it does make a massive difference. I, I totally agree with that. Trust. Trust and yeah. utter belief in, in whoever comes off the bench, whoever starts, it doesn't matter. You know they can do a job. Uh, and I, I remember from our first chat, um, you know, I, I, I truly think there is that belief um in in the squad that they can all do a job um one final thing i said I, I know this doesn't address the question of who do i think the best player was and i named about 19 of them yeah, i was um, about to say you're really going off here on this one never ending story yeah it's okay um i i actually think you know man, man city absolutely elite but but look at them. Even even things aren't going their way at the moment. And Dartford's not Man City. They are surely more vulnerable, way more vulnerable. So now that we've got our head in front and we actually occupy a pole position and somewhat getting in their heads, I, I, I think it's all to play for. And um, this is kind of uh, 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 end of the first half, isn't it, of the season. And uh, it's it's a great position to be in, and I think we're in with a massive, massive chance here. Yeah, in terms of promotion, have semi regular um, content on our weekly podcast as well. So take that, <laughs> Dartford. Jack, who's your favourite player? Dad, you spoke for way too long. Okay. It's not, Sorry, it's not, no, it was all it was all good good chat. Um, uh, it's uh, it's more about who has most impressed me so far this season, and unfortunately, Dad named every player in the squad. Um, but I, I do agree. Sasha Adamson has been a, a really good signing for us. Um, it's not just the nine goals, it's the 10 assists on top of that. Um, mm. has just been 
outstanding across the board in terms of chance creation and we've created a lot of chances. Sophie Manzi has to be talked about for being the leading goal scorer in the for the whole of the league mm. and also having seven assists on top of that, averaging assist every other cool. game. Um Edie Bouchelle's really impressed me for a young kid coming into the side, yeah. often having to come off the bench and making an impact. She's only started two games this season. She scored eight goals and got four assists. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, often not getting more than sort of 30 minutes in a game and still always having an impact. Uh, it shows she's got a great future. What person I will say, though, has impressed me a lot is Megali Mendez. I think mm. um, playing in that left wing back role and, and being really impressive going forward, as well as impressive defensively, scoring goals, taking set pieces, getting assists. Uh, it's been, you know, I, I think we've all sort of mentioned players who are a little bit more defensive um, and, and have impressed in that sense. And I think having someone who can play at the back but also create chances going forward in a similar sort of style to Robinson. We we love Robinson defensively a lot of the time, but when he's actually creating things going forward, <coughs> it adds even more to, to everything that we do. So... Um, Hard to pick a player of the first half of the season, but there's definitely you could easily hand it out to any four or five players. Georgia Heisman as well, I didn't mention, but um, eleven goals, six assists from her for fifteen games, and a lot of these players as well playing their first season at the club and mm. impressing straight away. It's 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 really good to see, and um, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to the second half of the season. I'm hoping, um, fingers crossed, that there might be another game at the cottage sometime down the track. Um, but hopefully we, we just continue to get these results rolling in slowly but surely and, and constantly pushing forward for that promotion spot. Um, <clears throat> one thing, I guess, to add, there's a few players in that Fulham women's team who've had a few injuries. Um, Edie Bichelle had a concussion, which left her out of the last couple of games. Um, yeah. Tia Foreman, who we were fortunate enough to have on the podcast at the start of the season, has a foot injury that's kept her out for pretty much the whole of the first half of the season. Yeah, um, Anissa Hall has uh, recently had ACL uh, surgery. That was last week, which apparently went very well, but obviously has a bit of a road to recovery ahead of her. So um, a, a big shout-out to to those players, and hopefully they do come back from those injuries stronger and, and as soon as possible. So um, please do, for, for all Fulham fans listening, please do try and get around this women's team as much as possible. They're a, a really amazing bunch of players, bunch of people as well who have a lot of time for Fulham fans. So I, I 100% think that everyone, yeah, especially yeah. if you've got um, kids, especially if you've got young girls as well who, you know, maybe if just starting to get into football, go down to Motspur Park, you know, be able to talk to the players as they come off the pitch and actually get photos with these players who can potentially be icons for them in the future. It, it's learn really their, important for the growth learn of the their chance. Hundred percent, land that chance. Sammy. I was just going to say as well. It's it's been it's been a real genuine pleasure actually um, covering them and watching them develop and grow. Even if um, the content that we've actually got from them has been sporadic, it's I like I I I I, I like to think that we've actually helped them um, at least get like a bit more seen and get more like spotlight on them and just we even if we passively contributed i feel like it's actually been a really really rewarding um thing and uh long like i the fact that they're actually at the top of the table now is just really like the icing on the cake 
and uh, I feel that like we've and it, it's I feel that we give ourselves a pack on the back here. We have um uh, really um gotten behind them, and I I I think that we've done very very well. Not about us, Sammy, but yes, I agree. <laughs> I, I I agree with the sentiment though. Like uh, you know. At the start of the season, let's all be perfectly frank and honest with ourselves. I couldn't name a, a Fulham women's player apart from Mary nope. Southgate, and, and it's not for any particular reason. Apart from it was being international fans, especially, it's not something that's ever covered in general. It's not something we get much. Well, we don't. We didn't really see many highlights packages last year. It felt um, we we just it was hard to follow and we, we didn't know much about it. And I feel just, I guess a, a sense of joy knowing the fact that I can pretty much rattle off the entire squad. Um, and I know what positions they play. I know um, their strengths. I, I've been fortunate enough to watch them play a full 90 minutes. I know all of their results. I know the opposition teams they play against. I know that their games are always or pretty much always two or two thirty in Motspur Park when they're playing at home. Like it's it just it adds another dimension to being a Fulham fan. And I'm I've really, really enjoyed this first half of the season. And like you said, I really hope that next half of the season is is just as exciting and impressive. And um I, I really hope we push on and finally get that promotion that we've been so, so close to for the last few seasons. And look, even if we don't will go again and and hopefully the the changes to women's football that are coming over the next few years um see that open up a little bit more and see us maybe have two promotion spots out of this league eventually um mm. make it a little bit easier for other teams to be able to go up rather than just the teams that come back down um dad anything to add me and sam have had a nice little monologue there no 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 i've had my monologue um like hmm You've had, you've had you've had like six monologues. Yep. Uh, no, nothing to add. Just uh, get some rest, girls. You've got a big second half. Yeah, here, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, guys, look, I think we um, can probably wrap it up there. It's it's a massive game this weekend off the back of the purplest of patches from Fulham. Two five and a wins. Can we make it three in a row? Put five bucks on at 200 to one. It's a done deal for sure. Has to happen, <laughs> surely. Um, but but seriously, I'm I'm really looking forward to this game on the weekend. Um, uh, I just feel like this Fulham team is in a really good place at the moment, and it could be a really exciting game um, where we test ourselves against one of the better teams in the league. Um, so, thank you very much, Dad, for joining us tonight. Uh, you're very welcome. Saturday night, eleven o'clock. It's my wedding anniversary. About to dinner, and how do I balance this? How do I actually? Um... Um, you know, stay on at dinner for mum. Mum will understand. I I would probably mm. say objectively, you'd need to put our mother first. I I would forgive you for putting our mother first. You can quote me on that. Um, She'll understand. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Two very conflicting viewpoints, and uh... that's what makes it a good show. I... <laughs> I, I'm just interested in seeing the fallout more than anything um, of the. <laughs> The week of cold shoulder you get for um, well, your wedding anniversary, well, saying, "Oh, just off you go to bed because I'm just going to watch Fulham now." Well, it's an, as I said, eleven o'clock kickoff, eight eight p.m. start kickoff for dinner. Um, 
I'll, I'll probably just have a starter and 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 press for leaving early. Oh, I wish um, we discussed this earlier because this is this is good <laughs> content. Like, just like how do you strategically and, get through an anniversary dinner to yeah. get home to like yeah. an eleven eleven pm oh, kickoff? Yeah, the 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 Uber we booked for about eight forty five. Yeah, and I'll you know have to get the I'll have to tip the the the, the waiter to to know tell us that the tables needed or something like that. But I can I can realistically see myself actually starting watching this game about two o'clock in the morning um, because I probably am not I'm just picturing you valet parking and then just speeding <laughs> home like that. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not – last week, I don't know if you guys discussed it on the podcast, but um, last week Dad was unable to watch the first half of the game. So I watched the first half, then paused it and rewound it and watched the first half again with dad when he came around to watch it with me so oh yeah no um, yeah yeah i think we did yeah but but i actually knew i didn't know the score we never spoil i didn't know the score but what i did know is that the only way yeah when i said this universe yeah i knew we'd scored a hatful i knew it i knew it but you knew you knew it wasn't bad news basically yeah yeah um okay before i leave i'm not i'm not pausing at this time before i leave uh, you got Within 10 seconds, can you get it right? How many years have I been married? Oh, shit. Okay. Wait, no. Okay, let me work this out. Let me Eight, work this nine, out. seven, uh, 39. You got, married, you got married when you were 26, right? Like extortionately young. 1984, 39. Jack called it. Jack called it. 39? Damn, yeah. that's pretty good. That's 39 years. Yeah. I mean, like... Glass, that's a good son. Knew it off the bat. 1984, yeah. 16th of I mean, December. I'm, well I'm yeah. not. I, I can. I can do your birthdays off the back of the, my head. The, you've just secured the Bradman bat, Jack. That's <laughs> all right. Anyone else in the family I wanted wants the strat it, anyway. <laughs> hey, that's when you should have said, "I've just secured this strat." That would have caused a lot more issue. <laughs> anyway, guys, let's right. let's wrap it up there. Thanks yeah. again, Dad. Sammy, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me. And hopefully dad doesn't give my mother whiplash on the weekend. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's all from me. God bless you all. Thank you and good night. Lovely. Um, so, everyone, thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, come on, you whites.